Yeah. I'm about to step in the ring for the fight of my life. Hit my knees and I strap on my gloves. Boy, I've been prepping since like I was seven. And thing is, I'm already covered in blood. Walking in love. This for the ones who've been stuck in the mud. Searching for hope. Trust me, I know what it feel like to drown on my problems. But God came and threw me the rope. Welcome to another episode of the Real Man Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Meeks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Real Man Project, where every week we come together and we dive into the world of personal growth, core values, and documentation of the things men should know and apply to silence the inner bitch voice, rise above the circumstances, wake the fuck up and awaken that inner beast, and become the best versions of themselves. I'm your host, Jeff Meeks, and today we have a truly remarkable guest joining us. This podcast is all about empowering men to become the best best versions of themselves. And this man right here, uh, sitting to the right of me, is an example. Uh, first off, he's a man of God, son to loving parents, husband to a supporting wife, and friend to a solid select few. Kyle's a faith-based entrepreneur, owner of Redemption Auto Sales, co-host of the Value Race podcast, fellow member of the, R- uh, the RSA Syndicate, He's also a member of Warriors from Christ and the Real Business Owners Inner Circle. On this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the struggles this man has had to overcome, rise above to become the man he is today and the successful entrepreneur that he is. Uh, My guy's an ex-con, overcame 10 years in the Department of Corrections by God's grace, tenacity, discipline, family support, and his sheer will to win. But... Guys, this was a circumstance. Uh, as someone that I consider a friend and value, I promise that his past does not define him. It's what he's doing now in his future that is uh, really creating the man and the best version of himself. So uh, get ready to dive into some real man shit. But first, at the beginning of each episode, I like to state my creed. Uh, now, remember, this, this, is, uh, this show is a documentation of my journey and the real life stories of my guests and with that said, my creed may not align with yours, but I encourage you to develop a list of core values that you follow every single day. It's my blueprint to becoming the very best version of myself. So uh, here it is. So guys, it's my job, my duty, and my obligation to God, my family, and my community to practice and live by these core principles on a daily basis. God is always first in my life. I will live out his will and purpose the rest of the days of my life. And for myself and my family, we serve the Lord. My, my word is stronger than oak. I will always do what I say I'm going to do. I do not waver in my decisions. I take action daily. I will protect those who need protection and who cannot protect themselves. I will always give to those who are less fortunate than me, not only with my money, but my time and my service. Um, I, I always give respect where respect is given. I will not and cannot be outworked. I am committed to living out these core values and becoming the very best version of myself. I am a warrior of Christ. So guys, let's, uh, man, let's, uh, let's talk some real man shit. Kyle, man. Uh, thank you for joining me this morning. I I appreciate you for having me, brother. I, I truly do. Um, man, what an intro and a creed, uh, Man, it's it's tough for me to even receive what what was just said. Um, but I promise you guys, we'll dig a little bit deeper into some of those things um, on this podcast. Jeff, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to start with something that's pretty in, untraditional. It's something that I wrote um, back during bro. the biggest struggle of my life, facing those ten years of incarceration. And I think it'll it'll kind of reveal to the listeners before we really dig deeper into my story of exactly what sort of mindset I used to be in, um, what the incarceration kind of did within my mind, and then how I was able to transition out of that and then start a new life. Yes, sir. Let's hear it, bro. I'm sure they want to listen. I got a spoken word. It's called the streetlights, and uh, it goes like this. Uh, Streetlights, broads, jewelry, cars, clothes, they all keep calling my name. What do you do when you're a hustler who's trying to change but addicted to street fame? Being the boss has me hooked in the arm like a junkie with a needle in the vein. I try to put it off on somebody else, but I know I'm really to blame. I saw them boys riding good off snow. That's it. I jumped headfirst in the game. And one year I blew away past them dudes in the process, bringing my family shame. And two, I knew I must be smarter. I did not want to be the same. And three, I enrolled in college with enough for a house and I put up the cars and chain. 
I should have got out, but the money was moving and I feared becoming a lame. Now here I sit in this prison cell with my mind already made. I can't come back for a second trip. I don't have any time to waste. So I spend my time in the Bible and business books doing something has got to shake. With that being said, I bring you, the audience, back to the flame. What's a hustler to do who's trying to change but is addicted to street fame? Man, that's uh, that's powerful, bro. And I can, man, for the listeners out there, you, you probably can't really see it, but I can tell in, in his voice and his uh, in, in his face uh, record, you know, in, in his face mannerisms that uh, that that means a lot to you, man. And that's passion, right? You can't. Man, one of the things that, uh, you know, we talk about, right, in the Real Man Project is is living those core values, being the most authentic, self-awareness, self-actualization. And, man, you cannot hide passion. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. When someone's passionate about something and, and something touches someone, man, it's a, it's a moving. It's a movement. I mean, you know, that that's what it is. But. Man, thank you for sharing with that, man. I tell you what, you got a gift, bro, because you know you and uh, you and your co-host on the value uh, on the value race podcast, uh, Chesco, man. You you guys are good with those uh, those words, man. Those uh, those ad libs and yeah, you know you know Chesco. I don't I don't even think Chesco has ever even heard that spoken word that I wrote. But on on the podcast, you know, he's always the one coming with the analogies and the stories and the rhymes and the quotes and all that stuff. You know, so I got to bring my little piece through. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like what Jeff was just saying. What I want to share with you guys is if you couldn't hear it on the microphone, literally, I I had that spoken word memorized for probably a decade now. And every time I try to say it, I think I'm going to say it clearly. And I almost always get choked up every time just remembering back to where I was, where I wrote it, where it came from, um, and what's been endured since what I endured to get there and where I'm going to go in the future. Man, that's that's awesome, man. So, you know, let, let's let's start out. Um, if you could give us an overview of of that journey. Right. You don't uh, listen, man. We don't have to go into specifics about what put you in the conservation. And I really doesn't. I don't think that really matters. Right. The 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 the, the, the meat and the potatoes of your journey is is the process and the transformation. First off. Right. I always talk about Kyle. Um, transformation is a simple formula. Right. It's it's education. Right. Getting the education, getting the information, being inspired. And that's what causes transformation. Right. You're, you know, when I say inspired, I mean, in spirit. So, you know, you're you're sitting in uh, um, man. What are they? Five by what are they? How big is a cell? It all depends which institution you're at, what dormitory and everything. But I'd say on average, they're probably like a six by ten, six foot wide by ten feet long. So guys, if that gives you some kind of context, imagine being, you know, in a six by 10 cell, right? And, uh, you know, so many people, right? I know so many guys that we are, you know, here in our in our, our home community, which is Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, Florida, that are, uh, I call um, institutionalized, right? One of the things you said, man, stood out to me in your, in your, uh, man, that's like a creed, right? I mean, that, that's your creed. It, you know, it, it may have been in a form of a song or a, a, or a rap, so to speak, but at the end of the day, a creed can look like whatever you want it to look like, right? If it's a, if it's setting you a core values, right? One of the things you said is that, Hey, listen, you're going to do, you're going to do the work. You're going to put in the work cause you ain't never going back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's once you, man, we're just diving head first into this. You know, the thing is, is for me, I used to not do the work, right? I used to want to get around doing the work and I wanted to avoid the work. And, and I never really wanted to dedicate any true time, energy, attention into the important areas in my life. I just wanted to get stuff as fast as I possibly could. And the problem with that is usually if, if you're trying to get somewhere too fast, too quickly, you're not going to do your due diligence as far as doing the difficult work that it really takes to make sure that you're doing it properly. And you're going to take a lot of shortcuts. You're going to burn a lot of bridges along the way. Um, probably hurt a lot of people. And ultimately, you're not going to be able to achieve the things in your life that you've envisioned. Or maybe you don't even have a path that you truly want to follow. Like for me, I didn't really have a true designated path. I just wanted to get to the money as fast as possible. You know, there was there was really no objective to what I needed the money for or what I wanted to use the money for or what sort of status I wanted to create or, you know, what I wanted to project out into the world, how I wanted my family to receive me. You know, there was really none of that. It was just like, how 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 fast can I make as much money as possible? 
It's crazy, man. You you make some good points, right? It's like uh, we talk about the journey and along the journey to self-actualization and becoming the most authentic version of yourself and what I call becoming a real man, you know, I, I know this. You're going to lose people. People are not going to uh, they're not going to resonate with what you're doing. Right. You're, you could lose friends. You could lose associates. You could lose family members. But you're on a journey of positivity. Right. And becoming the best. But opposite of that. Right. Just like you said, when you're going down a path of destruction, you do the same thing. You lose people. You hurt people. Right. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, 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 it's vice versa. Right. You know, it's uh, it, it's the law of vice versa. You're either you're going to achieve some of the same results going down a path but it's like a it's like a split fork in the road right are you going to go to a journey of uh, of positivity of 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 success of service to others uh, the the path that god basically lights a lamp for us or are you going to go that path to getting things fast and man you know one of the characteristics that uh, and and I you know obviously you know me and, and and we know we know each other for a long time or I've heard of each other for a long time there's a lot of probably of our uh, friends and in, in, in the circle of, of people that we know in this in this town, and I was talking about the institutionalized man. They're all they, they come out and they're right back in within a year, man. It's like, man, did you not learn your lesson, right? I mean, listen, but you know, at the same time, not going back into my story because this, this episode is not about me. You know, being arrested twenty something times in in between my years of twenty and thirties. Uh, you know, you figure you figure you'd be like, man, hey, didn't you didn't you realize, hey, man, you, you might not have went up the road, you might not have been incarcerated in the DOC, but I was in the system. I was in sitting in county jail uh, for sometimes you know anywhere from a couple days to a couple weeks to a month, um, and uh, you know it, it, it's almost like it's like, man, did you did you not learn your lesson? You know, and Jeff, we could dig into that for a second. Is it's it's not just related to incarceration or people going to prison. You know, how many of you guys who are listening to this podcast have repeated the same negative processes and procedures in your life that didn't produce the result that you actually wanted to see? And you knew that they were inaccurate or inappropriate to what you were actually trying to create in your life, but you kept going back to them anyway, right? You kept going back to those patterns, those routines and those behaviors that didn't actually serve you. They didn't actually produce a positive result in your life. And you knew actually which decisions or or which actions would lead you in the positive direction or the correct direction, and you did not take those actions in the in the in that direction. You know, so it's it's not just people who get incarcerated and then maybe they face two years, maybe they face three years, maybe they do five years and they get out and then they fall back into the same negative patterns, habits, traits, and behaviors that ultimately led them to the incarceration in the first place. But it's like people even following diet regimens or exercise or um, investing into the right things or spending time educating themselves instead of, you know, getting intoxicated and going to the bar. Like they know that those activities don't actually serve them, but they keep going back to them because they're comfortable and they're common. Man, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. I, I dropped some content earlier this week where, you know, I've, I've been on this journey, uh, and, and, you know, I've, I even shared it on your guys' podcast where it's, listen, I'm, I don't believe in abstinent from alcohol. Uh, that's not part of my journey, right? I do like a cold beer if I'm on the beach with a couple buddies, right? But it's all about moderation and not going to that level of becoming uh, intoxicated, right? Being coming a drunk, right? Becoming a fool. The Bible even states it, right? Jesus turned water into wine, right? He says, listen, you know, it's not about drinking. It's about becoming drunk enough to your, where you, you act the fool, right? And so on Saturday, I took my team out to uh, the George Strait uh, concert and Man, I, I went back to a bad habit that didn't serve me, and that was drinking alcohol. And uh, I did drink uh, to an access to where I uh, I was intoxicated. And the next day, man, uh, it's not like I felt better about myself, right? You know, you you feel you feel worse, right? The depression kicks in. People, don't, you know, people out there, the listeners, I'm sure you understand. If you don't, you you need to understand that alcohol is not a stimulant. Even though you see all your buddies high five and cheers, ended up having a good time out in the club and the bar and all that shit, right? But uh, it's a depressant, you know, and uh, but man, that's uh, you, you you mentioned a good point, right? It's like how many people and how many listeners on both of our podcasts, right? They go out every day and it's like that little kid that touches the back burner on the stove, right? You know, uh, I use that analogy a lot, right? If you touch it, right, one time you get burnt, 
you would pretty much assume that you'll never touch that fucking hot burner again, right? But people keep going back. Man, whatever is a, a toxic relationship, toxic friendships, they just keep going back and they keep on getting burnt. And to me, it's, uh, you know, because I was there, right? I, I've been there. I was, you know, doing the, doing the bad work, right? Not doing the good work. I was doing the bad work. And I kept on putting myself in circumstances, right? I would put myself in circumstances. No one else did, right? I would, I took full responsibility, put myself in the circumstances, and then I would get out, right? So that means my hand was not burned anymore, but I'll be damned if I wasn't two weeks later touching that back stove again, man. You know, and there's, there's another piece to that too, which is I want to dive back into a little bit of my past story. And like when I was, before I ever was incarcerated and I was doing activity that at the time seemed as though it was proper for my life, even though I was raised right. You know, I have two loving parents, um, great brothers, a great family unit. My parents were school teachers and entrepreneurs, and I had no reason to be doing the activities that I did. But there was just something in my mind that always sat with like, you know, I don't really belong in the proper environment. I don't, I'm like, I'm not a schoolboy. Like, I'm not the guy to go to college. I'm not an individual who's meant to be in the suburbs. Like, that's just in my mindset. That's kind of like who I was, even from the time that I was young, right? So when I was contributing to the street life and, you know, ultimately was selling a lot of drugs, doing a lot of things that were inappropriate to the, to the common society standards, right? So, there was a couple opportunities that I had to get out of the way that I was actually producing a financial reward or a financial income for my life. And in my mind, I didn't feel as though I had any other option, right? Even though I had options that were presented to me that I could have took the rewards that I had received from the negative behaviors that I took part in and invested into legal entrepreneurship, legal businesses, in my mindset, it was like, even though I was putting on this outward appearance of being an alpha male and, and being full of ego and pride and being very comfortable in my own skin, in all actuality, I was very insecure. So when these opportunities arose, it was like, well, who am I to do that? I can't do that. Nobody will listen to me. Um, you know, how am I going to open this business when, you know, the way that I behave isn't even according to somebody's respect? And I felt stuck and it makes a lot of sense. And, and I wouldn't have put that on to the outside world at that time, but it was almost like you said, with the alcohol drinking and everything, it's like, it's, it wasn't a stimulant. And it was a depressant, even though when you're consuming it, it seems as though it is a stimulant, right? So like when I was stuck in the behavior patterns that I was living in, in the streets, it was like, I appeared outwardly as though I was on a stimulant. I was on a high all the time. You know, I'm, I'm riding good, living good, smelling good, looking good. But internally I was depressed. And when I had these opportunities arise, I felt stuck in the behavior patterns that I had chose for my life because it created such an alignment with that lifestyle that then I started to say, well, how would anybody listen to me when this is the individual who I am? And I think there's a lot of listeners that if you take it back to your life, you could align that pattern with other areas of your life, even though you might not be in the streets or, or committing criminal activity or selling drugs or any of those things. There's probably areas in your life that you feel stuck in negative behavior patterns and traits that aren't actually serving you like alcohol consumption, eating fast food, a job that doesn't serve you, a relationship that doesn't serve you, you know, the, these different aspects of your life. It, you can draw relations to them and say, you know, how, how stuck have you felt even though you knew those opportunities weren't serving you at this time and you just continue to run back to those same behavior traits, patterns and habits? Man, that's... uh. That, that, that there's a lot of there's a lot of value in what you just said and um you know i got a question for you um you know we we all know that uh during you you know from what i've what i've gathered right from knowing people that have actually went away for long periods of time for for uh for for selling drugs uh the money comes fast it comes easy Right. It does give you a sense of uh, of acceptance. It does give you a sense of uh, it gives you it gives you a purpose almost. Right. I mean, at that point, now I'm not saying the purpose was great. It wasn't it wasn't God's purpose for you. But 
you know, you, you, you always hear the stories, right? Whether it be societal ideologies of, of rappers and, you know, what society thinks that somebody that lives in the hood and they have no way out, they start selling drugs and then they take that money and they invest it and they blow up and they become this huge success, right? This huge success story. And, um, you know, but let me ask you, where along that path, right, that we talked about, that journey, um, so let's just call it what it is. It's, it, 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 it was destroying who you were inside, right? You know, like you just said, you mentioned you were depressed. Even though you lived the life and you told everybody that, hey, man, listen, I'm getting it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, listen, man, you know, uh, get around me. You know, I, I'm taking you with me, man. We're getting out of, you know, whatever that, that aspect was. Where did, you, where did you realize that, hey, man, listen, this is a struggle. I'm better than this. Uh, you know, I can rise above this. Uh, it may have taken, you know, being being uh, what we call sit down or sat down. I'm sorry, sat down, uh, put in time out for a little bit. Where where in where in that journey was it? Was it when you got to when you got to incarceration that you said, "Hey, listen, man, it's time for me to fucking change." Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple key elements on that that I want to hit on, and I'll definitely get to the end result of your question that you asked. So, speaking of rap music, for me. Um, that was the chosen um, sort of music that I listened to from the time that I was in like third grade. And, you know, it just, the first time I ever heard like a, a Method Man or a DMX tape, um, 3-6 Mafia, um, No Limit Records back then, and I'm sharing some of my age with you guys now. Um, you know, it just resonated with me because I, in my mind I was always... That's who I was. I was always this rebel character, right? Like, I, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in with my family. I didn't fit in in my neighborhood. I felt isolated. And, and like, the music gave me that purpose, right? And then um, I ended up receiving a mentor in my life who was in the streets when I was in, like, fifth grade. And, and they were pretty heavy in the, in the drug game. And they taught me a lot of principles and lessons, Um but let me get into the rap music for a second, and, and that kind of got me deeper into to that sort of area and, and expertise in life. And, you know, they had the cars, they had the jewelry, they had the women, they had the lifestyle, they're going the to the clubs. Ego. The fed your ego. And, and, you know, I always felt that, like, inside I was still always insecure, even though I always projected an image of being egocentric and, and being an alpha male. And this guy... He saw like he always had a way of being a real mentor and a leader and like would would reveal to me in different ways that he saw something in me that other people didn't have. And the only other person who ever did that was like my mom. Right. So my mom always would tell me, like, you're destined for great things in your life, like because I was never good in school. I was always getting in trouble. And she basically would always defend me to the teachers, the principals, everybody, and let me know, like, you're way better than what you're doing. You just don't even understand the gifts that are inside of you and different stuff like that. And besides my mom, you know, and sometimes I know I'm getting way off topic here with this. Follow with me. Sometimes in life, even though your parents and your family members love you the most and they'll feed all of this positive energy into you, when you're a youth or you're a kid, it doesn't hit the same because it's your mom or your dad. You know what I'm saying? So I know for you, you have a little bit different of a story in your background, um, but I'm sure that you could relate with like how your grandma would feed into you, right? No, you're right, man. And, and it's crazy, right? And, and I don't want to get you off your point, so, so stay there with it. But you're right, right? And I think it's important for the listeners to, to understand that I, how many people that we know came from great families that went down the wrong path, right? It's, it's crazy, right? Because for me, I never had that support system. And I, I wonder, I always, I always question if I did, would my life have been different? But, but, but continue, brother. I didn't mean that. So, so I had a mentor that came into my life. He was in the streets. And basically, he fed into me and let me know that, like, you're a little bit different. You know, you got it. doesn't matter what your friends say and these other people around you. You got it. You got what it takes, you know. You're a hustler. And, and, <laughs> um, and that led me down that path. But um, what I want to get on with that is as I continued to conduct in that activity, there were separate times to your question as though I began to question the path of the life that I was on. You know, different things came up. I've had... Armed so you robberies. were aware. You were aware. Essentially, you were aware that where, where I'm where I'm trying to really get and pull out of you is 
you know, during that journey, were you aware that what you're doing is probably not? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I come from a good family. My parents were school teachers, entrepreneurs, you know, my parents found out pretty early that I was engaging in activity that I didn't have any business in, right? So like my parents at one time, I had a home invasion happen to me. I was like 17 and my brother told my parents what had happened. And, um, you know, they basically sat me down, told me, look, you need to get out of this. You know, you're going to die. You're going to go to prison, this and that. And um, they actually moved me to another house, different things. Um, so there was other different things that came up into my life. I always knew that it wasn't necessarily the chosen path that was for me. But I didn't really, I, I explained earlier, like, I didn't really see a way out. It got to a point where I felt like that's what I knew. I had contributed, contributed so much time, energy, and effort into that area of expertise that I felt like that was all I knew. And then, you know, there was also times that, like, I literally went to my parents' house one time before I was incarcerated. I had like $40,000 in a Ziploc bag. And my mom was telling me like I needed to get out of the streets. She, she was like kind of really getting on me at this point in time. So I was, you know, grinding, getting after it. And I just pulled up on her house. And I was, I was going through it in my mind. And um, I just took the Ziploc bag. I brought it in the house. I threw it on the table. And I said, well, Ma, you want me to get out of the streets? I don't really like doing it either. You know, I'm risking my life. I'm risking my freedom to keep a roof over my head, to spend my money with billionaires, to put clothes on my back, you know, to buy jewelry that I don't need. Um, But ultimately, without this money, I can't even have water in my house. Like I was nearly in tears explaining to my mom that like I didn't see any other way. And it's like, well, how am I even going to pay my bills? How am I going to have rent? How am I going to eat? How am I going to drink? I can't have water on at my house without having this money. And I said, tell me what else I can do. And when she saw the money on the table, it was just like, you know, what is a mom going to tell a 19 year old kid who probably just put more money on the table than she's ever seen at one time in her life? And she's a grown person. And not to say my parents were struggling or anything like that, but for the common average forty thousand in cash is not something to yeah. you know. What I'm so, saying that's a lot of it's a lot of money. So you know, this is a, a difficult story, but it's true. This is really my life. This isn't made up. This isn't uh, you know. This isn't a cartoon. This isn't a movie. This is my true story. And like she just kind of shook her head and couldn't say anything. I picked my money up, went back in my bucket, and slid out, and went and did my you know ran my plays. And um, so there was definitely times like at that point, I knew that I didn't really want to be conducted in that same sort of behavior pattern in life. You felt stuck. I felt stuck there. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a little bit after my incarceration, obviously, um, I did end up receiving, um, you know, he read it in his paper, 10 years, mandatory state of Florida DOC. And at, for about three years, um, I used to tell people. I got to hold on. I got I got to stop you. But because I got to ask you when when you're sitting in that courtroom. And that judge reads your sentence, man. What goes through your fucking mind, bro? I mean, it's that's got to be probably one of the strongest mind fucks. You know, people talk about it all the time. That's got to be a strong mind fuck, man. I mean, what what were you what were you thinking? How were you feeling? I think the listeners would uh would like to hear that. Yeah, um, man, it's it's hard to even put myself back into that place. Just keep in mind, you know, we're separated from now. I've been out of incarceration for just over six years now, and I obviously served that 10-year prison sentence, so we're talking about 16 years ago. <laughs> you know, I had just turned 21, and, um, man, just when when they rang it out, you know, my mom, you know, it's, it's kind of like the movies, man. My mom screamed out in the back. Broke into tears, I bet. And, um, yeah, and I just turned around, and, you know, I was in tears myself, and I just kind of mouthed, I'm sorry, Ma, you know, to my parents. And, um, man, they led me out in shackles, you know, and it's like, you know, the only way that I can really describe it is broken. You know, if if, if I were to Shit. just to describe a feeling that I had or a thought that I would have, there's not really a bunch of thoughts because at that point in my life, being 21, and I actually received 10 years mandatory followed by five, but it ended up becoming um, what they call, instead of being consecutive, they ran it concurrent. Yeah, so they ran the 10 and the five together. So at the time, I was thinking it was going to be 15 years. God. And I was I was 21, <laughs> you know, and um, 
you know, just thinking about it, it's like when I thought back, it's like literally that was almost the entire life that I had already lived up to that point. So in my mind, when I first got it, it was like, well, I got a life sentence now, you know, before that point, I always felt like I had one foot in and one foot out. So to backtrack a little bit again, like I told you guys, my parents are school, were school, school teachers and entrepreneurs. You know, I went to college here and there on and off. I did. I dropped out of school in ninth grade, but did get my GED per my parents commandment and um, was going to college while I was in the streets at SPC, but was more doing it just out of a felt of need to do what my mom and dad still asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And I really had no direction with that. But at the same time, I still kept one foot in and one foot out. And my idea, I would set these different guidelines or posts or goal sets that I created while I was in the streets. So like one of them was like, all right, well, when I get 20 grand, I'll stop. Or when I get 50 grand, I'll stop. When I get 50 grand and a brand new car, I'll stop. When I buy a house, I'll stop. You know, and it's like, I just kept setting these guideposts up and, you know, one of the, I'm going to say there's, there was two last ones that I made that I recall. And the, one of them was when I, when I pay my house off, cause I purchased the house before I became incarcerated at 20 years old. And, um, I said, well, when I pay my house off and I have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and I buy a brand new car and I graduate college, I'll stop. So that was like one of my last little things, because in my mind, what I thought was, well, if I have a house paid off and I have a brand new car and I got a hundred grand and I'm out of college making 50, 60, 70,000 dollars a year, why do I need to still sell drugs? You know, and it makes a lot of sense. My last one after that, which is a very dangerous place to be, you guys, was until I am incarcerated or I die, I'm not going (laughs) to stop. So that's where my mind had transitioned over the period of time of living in the streets and doing these things. So what I wanted to explain is before I really got that sentence in my mind, I still had like one foot in and one foot out because my parents are school teachers. They were entrepreneurs. They both graduated college. They raised me right. In my mind, I was still a kid from the suburbs, even though I was operating and functioning like a guy from the hood. You know, carrying guns all the time, getting in the shootouts, selling a lot of drugs, breaking a lot of drugs down, doing a lot of drugs, getting in car- getting intoxicated all day, every day, you know, um, breaking all types of laws, um, you know, riding with other guys who carrying guns, committing robberies, different things. I was never a robber, had friends who were. Um, I had ar- armed home invasions happen to me throughout this process. But in my mind, I was always like, well, I could always flip the switch, even though internally, like when I had those opportunities, I talked myself out of it by not believing I had the potential of the opportunity still in my mind. There was still like that block that I told myself, well, you're one foot in and one foot out. You could still get out. But then once I received that incarceration, it was like the flip, the switch completely flipped. So it was just like, all right, well, this is you. It's over. It's over. You got attempted murder. It's done. Like you are a thug. You are in this. You know you're you're doing this. This is you. Let me ask you. Did you did you did you feel a sense of uh, relief though? You know, truthfully, it it kind of was. Like you know, you told me that you asked me about the feeling in the courtroom, and the only way that I could explain it was broken. Broken. But truthfully, after that, it was almost freedom because. Instead of having that battle in my mind after that of saying, well, you're one foot in and one foot out, it was like, all right, Kyle, you're all in now. Now what? You know, because, you know, I had never been to prison, so I didn't know what it was really going to look like. I had spent a year in a county jail, so I had an idea of what was going to come, and I had already been assimilated to that type of environment, but it was like, okay, well, now you got to be ready. You know, now you really got to be ready. This is your home. This is your environment. In my mind, again, I had a life sentence. This is where you're going to spend the rest of your life. So you you better flip that switch. So it was almost like freeing to just be like, all right, well, you don't got to be good anymore. And and again, that's a dangerous place to be as well. People don't understand, like you actually discussed it on the beginning of this podcast, talking about people who go up the road and then they come home and then they go right back. 
what happens is you can get into that environment within your mindset and your attitude to where that becomes who you are. The incarceration becomes you. That type of environment Definition is what you belong in. Absolutely. You know, that environment is what you belong. Exactly. So that environment is where you belong. So how you conduct yourself while you're there is how you're going to conduct yourself out here in the free world. And that's why you get turned around so quickly. And then you don't even mind anymore. It's like before you go away, you mind incarceration. And then once you get accustomed to that environment, it's like, oh, well, I know I could do that. It's no pressure. I'll do it on my head or whatever. Like a saying in, in, in the chain gang is like, um, oh, well, I'll do that time on my head. Like they give you confinement time. And I'll go in there and do the time on a headstand, you know. Um, like they used to tell me, I, I did. So when he's talking about 20 some odd times being arrested while I was incarcerated, I had went, I had received like, it was like 18 or 19 disciplinary reports. So the, the entire time that I was incarcerated, you know, I, I was still going in and out of confinement. And when I was first in there, they'd be like, oh, well, we're going to send you to jail. That's what they call it, jail. And, I'm, and you know, I'm a young jail kid. I feel prison, like I got right? a light yeah. sense. I'm like, jail, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> bro, I'm, like, I'm in Run it. it. <laughs> right, like, like, Run what, it. What else can you do worse than me, bro? Yeah, yeah. so that's like the correctional officers, they try to use that as a carrot for you to keep you staying out of trouble. Like, oh, we're going to send you to jail. It's like, bro, it's over with for me. Run it. Like, let's do it. Let's go. You want me to turn around and cuff up? Let's get it. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's hey, get put, it. Put the bracelets Pat on. Pat me up. <laughs> put the bracelets me up. on. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I, w- I want to dig into, you asked me a question a few minutes ago. And we got completely off topic. <laughs> and, and you asked me, uh, Chesco calls me the rabbit, rabbit hunter. Yeah, the rabbit chaser. So you asked me about what was there a time when I saw the emptiness in it. And I kind of explained a little bit while I was on the streets. But you guys are hearing some of my testimony of when I was first incarcerated in the, in the mindset and the pattern that happened in my mind. And I want you guys to understand when I'm talking about those 18 or 19 disciplinary reports, all those happened within two and a half years. So within my first two and a half years of, of incarceration, I spent a year, a, ha- a year and a half of that in confinement or, in I- or isolation. Um, and what happened after about three years in 2009, I ended up receiving Christ. And I received Christ in a confinement cell all by myself during a 120-day stretch. And from that day forward, my life completely changed. Um, and I never looked back. I never looked back. Um, and that was when my transformation began within my mindset, within my attitude, with how I viewed the world. Um, and I started transitioning from being a street thug, a hoodlum, a hustler, into um, a man of God, a husband, an entrepreneur, a successful business owner, and an investor. Absolutely. And let's, and let's dive into that, right? Because we've heard the struggle, right? We, we heard the struggle. You explained it very well, right? A couple things that I wanted to chime in on, right? You, you talked about a light switch, right? You, uh, man, I don't know if you saw me, the listeners can't see me smiling, but you saw me smile, man. You know, I always talk about, you know, personas of, of men, right? And becoming action figures, right? Do you remind me of, uh, the action figure Two-Face, right? If you think about it, right? Half, you, you would, you, you had this dark side of you, but you also had this good side of you, right? That, that your parents saw in you, that, that your friends saw in you, right? They, they knew that, hey, listen, at the end of the day, listen, guys, you're not defined by what the fuck you do, right? You're defined by what actions and, 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 and do you help others? And, and are you a, a loving, you know, a loving son, right? Do you disrespect your family? Do you res- disrespect your parents? Now, I'm not talking about actions because actions, like, you know, like I said, actions can be done in a way that it does not define who you are, right? We all make stupid fucking choices. We all make stupid mistakes. Man, we're all, we're, listen, we're, we were created by God and we were, we were, we were uh, introduced to sin way before we even knew it, right? And I'm saying even before me and you were born, way before, you know, the, the sin was around, right? So uh, the next thing I wanted to, to, to talk about, right, uh, is, man, one of the things I do know is this, is that it, a lot of the times it takes people to hit rock bottom, in order to change, in order to skyrocket, right? So let's talk about that. We, 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 we know that, you know, we know your struggle, right? We know your story. 
and you went you were incarcerated for 10 years um you know guys i don't know if you if you heard it but my dog said he was a year and a half of that was in 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 in, in confinement and if you don't know what that is, you're just in a smaller cell and it's all by yourself. You're only let out for a certain amount of time, a, a week, not a day, a week, right? And I believe you have to take cold showers. Uh, you know, it's it, it's crazy like that. But so you went through that process. You found you found you, you found God. Uh, you submitted your life uh, to Jesus Christ, right? And you started this transformation, man. And you know, let the listeners know now where you at now, man, in life. Who 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 is Kyle? this day yeah i mean that transformation definitely started in and it developed through discipline dedication faithfulness self-analysis introspection and just playing hard work and tenacity you know and you covered some of that in my intro and guys who i am now and what i have accomplished in my opinion, it's it's not even really that important as far as what I accomplished, who I am and how I became the individual who I am through doing the, the difficult work that it actually takes to change the individual that you are, even after receiving Christ. Like Christ came into my life. He changed me 180 degrees. Um, but even then, like it still takes a lot of difficult struggle in your own life to continue that transformation period throughout the lifetime that you have. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who use Christ as a crutch and be like, well, I've been delivered by Christ, so it's over. It's done. I don't got to do the work anymore. And I hate to tell you guys, but that's 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 false. Like, there's still going to be a lot of difficult work that you're going to be responsible for to overcome the difficulties in your life that are going to be in front of you. And the only thing, you know, what Christ did for me is he gave me an opportunity to have something else to lean on when I didn't have the own strength for myself. It opened my eyes up to a different way to view the world, a different way to view people, a different way to view circumstances. And I ultimately began to see that the struggles in life actually served me. I got a saying called embrace the fail. And it's like, instead of trying to avoid failure and avoid struggle, I kind of looked for it at every avenue so I could dive deeper into it so it could do the work on me that it was intended to do. And, um, you know, th through doing the difficult work after receiving Christ while I was incarcerated, continuing to transform and transcend my life during the, the next seven years, um, you know, there was a lot of difficult struggles there that I had to face, that I had to endure. Um, but I always looked at them as opportunities to get stronger for the ultimate release that I would receive in 2017. Um, so the work happened there. You know, so I, I want to kind of hit on that because I know you also said that there's a lot of people who go in, come out, come go in, come out. It's because they're not doing the difficult work of introspection, self-analysis, disciplining themselves, dedicating themselves to becoming a new individual and doing the internal work that it actually takes so that when you get released, you don't ultimately end up going back. And for me, I knew from that day forward of receiving Christ that I had to do everything that I possibly could so that when those gates did open in 2017, that I would never have to go back. Um, and that's why I am where I am today, because I did the work while I was there to become the individual that I needed to be so that when those gates open, I could hit the ground running and never look back. And guys, today, um, as I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm a husband to a supporting wife. It's awesome. It's um, a blessing. Yeah, we've been together five years. We met a year after my release. Um, I knew the first few weeks that I was going to marry. I actually went home the first time I met her and told my mom I was going to marry her. And that's exactly what I did. Um, we were telling each other that we loved each other like a week into our relationship. People probably thought that we were insane. And here we are still married and we love each other more now than I think we even did when we first got married. You know, because now we've had a lot of struggles that we've had to endure and overcome to get to where we are. Um, and we're still growing every day, guys. I'm still growing every day. Jeff is still growing every day. Um, I own a company, Redemption Auto Sales. Um, that company started with one car, selling cars out of my mom's front yard, y'all, when I was first incarcerated. Um, while I was there, I received wastewater and drinking water license through self-study books that my parents sent me. Um, and 
by the grace of God, was able to get that license. Um, before my release, I was released, went to work for the city of Clearwater, was giving them 100 hours every two weeks while um, thankful enough to have a mentor in my life who guided me into the auto industry. Um, he kind of showed me what he knew, and then I just kind of took it, took the ball and ran with it from there. Um, our company has grown from one car to 50 cars in five years. Um, man, we've probably had two to 300 percent increase in production year on year. I mean, to go from one to 50 cars within five years, you know, that's a lot of growth. Um, even within the last year, we've had multiple we've added multiple people on staff. Um, the way that we perform and operate into our company is entirely different. We moved locations. Um, and we're just continuing to grow that company day in and day out, Gross. dedicating right. more energy, time, and attention to actually becoming a professional in my industry and my level of expertise. It's all about adding value to the community and adding value to our team and adding value to every client who steps into our doors. Uh, I'm co-host on a podcast called The Value Race with our guy Chesco. Um, and that's a way that me and him take to to give back, to share our stories, to share the lessons and the things that we're learning every day with other people who might need to learn or, or might need to receive those. Um, and I dedicate strongly to my physical well-being, my health, my diet. Um, I read a lot of books. I mean, I'm just continuing the process of becoming the individual that I'm intended to be in the world and truly dedicating my time, energy, and attention to be used um, for the purpose that I've been declared for in this world. I, I truly believe, guys, and I'll pretty much wrap up with this, that, you know, the warriors who face the hardest struggles, they're the individuals who are intended to make the biggest impacts. And when God takes an individual's life who was, man, completely full of darkness and turns them around and fills them with his marvelous light, um, I believe that gives you a responsibility to make sure that you're using your life to the utmost of its ability every single day. You know, Chesco says a lot, today is the gift that God gave us and what we do with it is our gift back to him. He made up the quote and I embody it every single day that I live. And and that's what you guys, you listeners, if you take away from Kyle's life, it's every day he wakes up, he wants to be used for the ultimate purpose that his life has been granted for every single day. That's I take it, it serious. That's awesome, man. And and listen, he, you know, my, my guy Kyle, he's very humble, man. But man, I remember when you first got out, man. I saw you. I was at, uh, I was at uh, Crown Nissan, and you were coming in for some parts for one of your cars, man. And you were just, uh, you were just grinding, man. It, it, you didn't have, you didn't have a brick and mortar yet. You were selling cars out of, out of your, uh, out of your building, man. And uh, man, I, you know, it, it's like you said with your mentor, right? He saw something in you, man. And uh, one of the things I think gives the gifts of God has always blessed me with is the ability to read people, right, man? And I could tell that you had rose above what your, your circumstances were, man. I could tell that there was a fire lit underneath you, right? You were ready to change. You were a proponent of change. You were uh, you were out there. You were gonna you were gonna make it, right? You weren't going back. I you know I could tell in the and then I saw you a couple of times in the gym, right? I I could just tell and I could feel like you know, man, you know. Uh, Man, because, you know, and, and here's something that, you know, you probably don't know. When you got out, was it six years ago? Six, seven years ago. I really was going through a very huge transformation, right? Uh, it's crazy to say that, um, you know, I'm 42 now. So six years ago, what I was, uh, I was 37, 36, 37, right? So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird to say that because it's like, man, you know, I get, I, I guess men in this generation, it takes them a little bit longer to really mature, come into their own skin, uh, really, uh, you know, start that self-awareness and self-actualization. And man, so I was, uh, you know, knowing, knowing your background, I was a little hesitant, right? Right. Just like when, when, you know, when we talked about on your podcast, you're like, man, I, man, I shit. When Chesco came to me and said, he wanted you to get on the podcast. I was like, I don't know, man, you know, this dude, this dude, you know, he's got a bad, you know, he, he he's had, a uh, he's had some, uh, some bad, uh, a reputation out there, right? So, you know, just just like that, I was kind of hesitant. But then, man, after like five, you know, I remember talking to you at Crown Nissan, and that's really where I was like, man, you know what, dude, I'm gonna. It, it, and it's crazy, right? You fast forward that many years, and here we are on a podcast together, man. It's uh, it's almost serendipitous, 
right? It's, it's, it's an act of God. It, it's, it's faith. It's, it's our brotherhood. It's, it's about me and you growing, man. And you, and I see the work you put in. I, I, I plug into anything, any kind of content you drop. I plug in your podcast. I listen to what you say, man. You're a very intelligent person. And that's hard to say, right? A lot of people that come out and that are institutionalized, they come out, they don't put in the work, right? They say, hey, listen, because I'm not putting in the work, life out here is hard. I know inside, I know how to get by inside. I know I can hustle inside. So I'm going to go back, right? And by subconsciously, they end up back in the DOC. Um, man, thank you for coming on today, man. Uh, listen, you, you know, you're a proponent of change. I know you're constantly growing. You're constantly learning. Uh, Redemption Auto Sales, shout out to those guys. Guys, if you're in Pinellas County and you want a certain vehicle, man, you got to go see my boy Kyle. Uh, he's got the best prices. He's got the best inventory. He doesn't uh, he doesn't put uh, the cars on the lot with the whiskey dents, right? And uh, you know you drive off the lot, and uh, you know you're back in a couple of days because you're not happy with the vehicle, man. So I I, I implore you to uh, if you're looking and if you're in the market to buy a vehicle, go see my boy uh, in in Seminole. Um, and uh, where's that where's that location at? Uh, yeah, we're at one one zero zero one Seminole Boulevard in Largo. Um, and if you guys are looking to connect with me in any type of way, yeah, you let can them know find where, me where on they can find you. Instagram, Mr. Underscore No Ceiling, Facebook, Kyle Chaponi. Um, our website is 200autos.com, 200autos.com. Um, but more than anything, man, if you guys have resonated with anything in this podcast, man, just reach out to me on IG. Shoot me a personal message. I promise you I'll respond. I love connecting and adding value out into the world. So anything I could do to assist any of you guys, just reach out to me anytime. And what Jeff was saying, I just want to finish off with that is, you know, he said he was just recently on our podcast and I said, you know, you got to, it concerned me a little bit. And then I went back to those times when I seen him at Crown and I seen him at the gym and the love and the support that he always granted me when I was fresh out, you know, and it's like, that's what I went to. And I said, well, it doesn't really matter about maybe what other people might think or what other people might say. I know what I've seen. And it's the same thing like what you said is I saw something, you know, and it's and, and it's like when you're conducting yourself in that way at those times, would you think six years later that's going to actually make a difference? You're not thinking about it. You're just conducting yourself and acting in the individual who that you are. But it creates a difference in other people's lives. I still think back to that. And I remember those times that I saw you at Crown. I seen you at the gym when I was struggling and I was just getting out and you were supporting me and always showing love and embracing me. So I appreciate you. To, I appreciate you for that, my brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's it, guys. We're going to wrap up here, man. Um, I hope this. Uh, listen, guys, I hope this resonates with at least one person out there. That's that's our journey. Uh, you just heard my guy Kyle. Kyle's, uh, you know, I, I always say your test is your testimony. Um, guys, I hope you got something out of this today. You know, go out there and apply some of the some of the uh, you know the, the applications, right, and some of the knowledge that you got based on real life experiences and real life struggles that you hear an entrepreneur and someone that is on their way to to high, super high levels of success. And guys, go out there today impact others lives be kind to each other and remember be a beast not a bitch until next time be the best version of yourself peace for the fight of my life, hit my knees and I strap on my gloves Boy, I've been prepping since like I was seven And thing is, I'm already covered in blood Walking in love, this for the ones who've been stuck in the mud Searching for hope, trust me, I know what it feel like To turn on my problems, but God came and threw me the rope Hey guys, Jeff Meeks here I just want to thank you for listening to The Real Man Project And hey, listen, if you've got some value out of this episode And it resonated with you a little bit you know, all we ask is that you share the episode with a friend. We ask that you apply some of the things that you actually got out of the podcast and go out there and become the very best version of yourself today. We love you. God bless you. And we look forward to you being here next week on the next episode.